0: Hey NAIF ball fans, this is Corey Thorpe here with my co-host John Cooper. John, how you doing this afternoon? Doing well, Corey. Can you uh, introduce the guest? I'm ready to get to it. Absolutely. We have the reigning head coach of the national champion Morningside Mustangs, Steve Ryan, here today. It is our privilege to have him on. Steve, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing, I'm doing great, thank you. So, just to jump right into it. Um, you know y'all, y'all made your way through the GPAC last year, and uh, even a Division Two team, Truman uh, uh, State, there uh, that y'all uh, pretty much uh, mowed down the competition on uh, most of most of those games there. Um, tell us a little bit about how special last year was for y'all. Well,
1: it, I mean. It... Uh, you know, it truly was special. Um, I mean, just to win the national championship, but it, it was our first one here at Morningside college and, and, um, you know, to go through the season 15 and zero um, from, uh, from a statistic standpoint and wins and losses, it was truly a special year. Um, but we had some special group of guys. We specifically had four outstanding fifth year seniors that, uh, we're great leaders, great football players, and great people. And, and you got all three of those out of your leaders, um, you, you end up with special years.
2: Coach Ryan, you know, we we are one of the lucky people that got to witness that NAI National Championship game, and that is as intense as any National Championship game goes on any level this past season. Um, you know, you guys were down a little bit there, I think in the halftime, I can't remember the score at half. But uh, what were you saying to your team at halftime in that locker room to get them going and to claim that victory?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, a couple things happened in the first half of that, of that ball game. And um, n- Number one, we, we had been down before throughout the year, and the guys had always responded well, and um, they did in that game as well. Uh, number one, uh, we gave up two field goals that put us, I believe, down by six at halftime. And, and I guess we felt pretty good that we had held them to field goals. And then number two, you know, Trent had not played particularly well in the first half. He threw a couple interceptions and and uh, and Trent seemed to be in control of himself and really just needed to get him to settle down. and And he really did in the second half and he played well. So, uh, Benedictine did some good things to, to slow us down offensively. It was really just a matter of settling our guys down and getting them ready to play.
2: Coach, I, I definitely agree. And let me tell you, being in the press box, you know, I, I was running up and down. I was on the field near you guys, and then I was in the press box. You guys have a first-class athletic department just seeing just the excitement from that radiated from the press box down to the field. Like everybody just was so pumped up to do their job and that was in a support staff role. And uh, I think that's just a great culture, not only that I guess the football program has, but probably the university does as well. But, uh, Coach, I, I got to ask, what do you think's the main thing for you to do to compete for a national championship again this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, number one, I think just the development of a good culture. And we've been able to do that. Uh, and I think you touched on something just Morningside college, great culture academically, um, just the community wise and for athletics, it's a great culture to, to have success and, and to build success. And then we've been able to have a great, a great culture at Morningside. We have won the conference eight years in a row. So we, we've been really close a lot and, uh, and basically for the last eight years. So there's just that overriding culture. The question is, you know, what do we got to do to be able to, you know, get to that same point again? Um, And a lot of it is number one, uh, I think it takes great character. Um, Talent and hard work can win the first one. Um, You need character to continue things. I mean, just to keep guys working hard, to keep them hungry Uh, to keep them focused. I just think uh, our guys are going to have to show great character this year. Um, And then we've got to replace those four seniors that left. Um, And those, you know, it's easy to say, wow, you just got to replace four guys, but there are four pretty special players.
2: Coach, can you talk about those four players uh, you're hinting at? I I know we know, but I'd love to hear your words about them.
1: Well, I I think, you know, first the two guys on offense – Trent Salzmar, quarterback, who was the National Player of the Year, and then Connor Niles at wide receiver. Uh, Now, Connor had 34 touchdown catches and something like 2,600 yards receiving and 153 receptions. Um, And just, you know, to be able to replace those two guys, I think they hold the majority of the NAIA season and career records at quarterback and wide receiver. And and in both the two big games that we won there at the end of the year, the overtime game against St. Francis, uh, and then the national championship game, you know, Connor made catches with double coverage, uh, and that's both those guys' and ability to throw those balls and catch it. So they were just fantastic. And then on defense, Xavier Span, a four-year starter for us, four-year first-team all-conference corner, just that one lockdown guy on the outside, and then defense lineman Chase Reese, who was the defensive player of the game in the national championship game, For lack of a better term, he was our spiritual leader. He was the guy that just, you know, led, you know, and it's a great part of NAI, but led Bible studies off the field, was there all throughout the summer, pushed guys, carried guys, and so just four outstanding young men.
2: Coach, that's that's awesome. It's great to hear those words about those four guys. Now, uh, we're going to probably talk about each one of them, but one thing I want to confirm from you, and this is rumors we heard in the press box, that you know sometimes in those off-season workouts, that uh, sometimes Xavier would put one hand behind his back when uh, you know doing those seven-on-seven drills and being able to cover some guys effectively. Is that is that rumor true? Um,
1: <laughs> I he did that because him do that
2: <laughs> that is unbelievable <laughs> go ahead That's coach i gotta hear about it What happened.
1: and um uh yeah i mean I, I mean i could probably tell a thousand stories about xavier because it's the two guys on offense you, you talk about but xavier is an exceptionally handsy football player so uh it probably made connor as good as he is but um uh that 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 is something i mean in that ball game, I, I you can remember the guy's name, but the wide receiver for Benedictine, fantastic football player. Uh, our whole game plan was we needed all ten guys to stop the run. Xavier, you got to cover him man to man, and um, he started out slow, but boy, late in the game he played big.
2: Coach, I, I definitely agree with that. You know, uh, Aaron Jackson from Benedictine was a... A very special treat. And, you know, it was a a very unique situation we were in, uh, being in the press box, because we got to hear the best of both worlds. And uh, those two names were brought up a lot. The receiver, Aaron Jackson from Benedictine and Xavier from, you know, Morningside. And that was a big thing we talked about a lot, actually, on the podcast leading up to it. Now, uh, you know, let's go ahead and shift gears to Sultzman and Niles. You know, not not many guys or coaches, like, just walk into this... I wouldn't say walk into it, but get this awesome situation of two guys that had this awesome relationship in high school, won a state championship, and now they come into the NAIA and they own all these records. Throughout the start of the season to the end of the season, they were both number one in all the respective categories that they competed in. You know, Coach, just maybe just take us to the process of – when these guys were just high schoolers and they're coming into Morningside, just how special of a process was that?
1: You, you know, it, it really was, um, you know, special. And, you know, they're right here from Sioux City. They're right here in town. They won a high school state championship together. Um, and in the state championship game, Trent was 21 for 22. And I remember watching that game and going, oh, my Lord. I want him to have a good game, but not this good. <laughs> I mean, how do people not how, how do people not recruit this kid is beyond me. But um but you know, he was a little bit undersized, wasn't particularly didn't particularly have great footwork in high school, but could always throw the ball. And then I think Connor got kind of that same billing of being a little undersized, so nobody was gonna pull the trigger on him. And so we we're very fortunate that they that they ended up in our level. Um, Both of Connor's older sisters were all American soccer players at Morningside. His dad played at Morningside. So there was a little bit of a family legacy there. But uh, very fortunate to have watched those guys play in high school. And they were outstanding. You know, and sometimes you just think of football. But, man, they played basketball together. They played baseball together. You know, I mean, they played everything together all the way going up. And then watched them play in college. Uh, It truly was special. Um, And then... You know really it was only the last two years they played together just you know uh, Connor broke his leg um, and you know, just kind of wondered if it was ever gonna be able to happen that they that we could see him together it really was something special
0: coach you've you've talked about the the other two and and um, talked about about chase being your your kind of your spiritual leader your your guy who is always uh, there every time the doors are open got there early stayed late and uh Xavier with his um that's insane being able to practice with one hand tied behind your back literally i'm going to i'm going to steal off of uh, where john cooper usually goes uh y'all had two all conference first team all conference offensive linemen um and i know sometimes it's that's a bit of a of a chicken, chicken or the egg uh, question when you talk about uh, your prolific running game with, with AP, and no doubt AP is – is he's something else. Um, but just talk about um, your two all-conference offensive linemen and, and uh, what it's going to be like replacing a couple of dudes like that.
1: Yeah, so um, I think you're talking about Garrett Timmy and Garrett Shanley. Yes. Um Garrett Timmy is back, so oh
0: my goodness, uh, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't know, even so, see that. Yeah,
1: no, Garrett Timmy is back. He's he's going to be a fifth year senior, so um, so from that standpoint, yeah, you know, we, we do need to be, be able to replace Garrett Shanley, um, and uh, you know, we feel we've got a couple couple young guys that are ready to go. Uh, Garrett Shanley did not play in the St. Francis game. Ethan Fernholz was out there, and uh, they kind of split a little bit of time in the national championship game just because Garrett had gotten injured in the playoffs as he had the year before. So uh, the thing about Shanley was he was just a great leader in terms of calling protections and calling out blitzes. And I think that's what's so significant um, and and what's going to be so important. But, but uh, Timmy, uh, we do have for one more year. I mean, he was our left tackle, six, six, big, long, lean, long, lean, long arm guy. Um, Yeah. I mean, I mean, I used to always tell an line coach, as long as Trent's in the game, Garrett's in the game. I mean, they, they're, they go together. It, you cannot pull him out till I pull Trent. So, uh, that left tackle was so important for Trent, you know, in all four years that he played.
2: Coach, um, you know, one of the special moments that I had in the national championship game, uh, just witnessing it, and, you know, I had a bunch, but uh, when you guys were coming out for pregame warm-ups, um, I'm heading out to the field Well, there's actually a couple former, you know, Bethune-Cookman players that were there. And, uh, you know, the National Championship game, for our listeners that don't know, was in Daytona for these past couple seasons. And that is where uh, the Bethune-Cookman Wildcats, who is a FCS team in NCAA, they play. Well, one of the coolest moments was your offensive line walked out. And these former players for Bethune-Cookman were, like, just in awe about how big these guys were. And they asked me, they said, what state's Morningside from? I said, Iowa. They said, well, they sure do breed them different in Iowa. And uh, Coach, that's absolutely right. You guys were absolutely monstrous up there in the trenches. But one thing, when turning on the film and watching the offensive line, um, my favorite play from you guys is when you run the slip screen to AP and he just follows those blockers. There was one play that went for like a, I believe, a 50-yard touchdown, where you know the center and both guards, you know, get out in space, and they just absolutely mow over St. Xavier defenders. Can you just talk about that offensive line just a little bit more and what you try to do with those guys? Maybe what's their daily routine in practice? Just talk to me about that offensive line. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, um, I, you know, one of the things I, I am gonna say. I don't know if this is um, good or bad. But, you know, we've played some really good football teams in recent years. You know, we set up a series with Whitewater. You mentioned Truman State, Division II. Um, a lot of that has, has been to prepare offense and defense aligned for the playoffs. I, I would say this, St. Francis, St. Xavier, Rocky Mountain, Benedictine, they were all outstanding up front. Uh, in terms of the O-line and D-line and the guys that we play. But we tend to go with uh, guys that can run on the O-line. And uh, they do a great job of getting out in front, and the things that they can do in the screen game. Um, but with what, with what we do, no huddle, the number of plays we get in the game, uh, our offensive linemen have got to be able to run. And uh, I know the play you're talking about, they did a great job getting out in front of AP. And, um, but there's a lot of things that we do from a screen standpoint and what we ask of them blocking downfield, and, and they did a great job on, on that last year.
2: Coach, to scaffold from uh, where you're building your answer there, um, you talk about uh, scheduling different teams, you know, out of conference, out of league. Um, I know next year you guys are all Pack schedule, and I think uh, one of the popular trends going on in the AIA is um, not per se a money game, but a lot of teams are scheduling way up in that FCS level, I know, uh, Bethel Tennessee has Lamar. Um, Lindsay Wilson took Presbyterian last year after that hurricane Florence on the East coast. Um, could we see Morningside continue a trend to maybe scheduling division two schools or other schools outside the league in the future?
1: Uh, yeah. So next year we have one non-conference game. We're playing St. Francis of Illinois next year, which I think will be a really good game. I, I think they've got an outstanding program there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we've tried – I mean, we, we try to play a Division two game if we can get one. It's just not necessarily an easy game to get.
2: Yeah, right. Coach, I, I totally understand that. And I, I agree that that St. Francis um, out of uh, Illinois will be a great game, especially with that mid-state meeting GPAC. Um, speaking of St. Francis, let's talk about the other one. They've kind of been a thorn in your side until this year. How gratifying was that to beat them in the snow to get to the national championship after what happened previously?
1: I think, uh, I think, I mean, that was huge. I mean, that was an outstanding, um, outstanding game. And, you know, we played them three years in a row, two years at third place, the one year at our place, all three were outstanding ballgames. Um, and, um, I mean, it, it was a big thrill. It really was, um. I do think home field advantage plays a big part in the playoffs. And I'm not saying that any of those games would go the, any other way. But to be able to play them at home, the weather added, added a great element to the game. Uh, and it kind of makes the game more special, you know, when you have a memory of, of playing in snow like that was and, and, and uh, just how that game played out. But I mean, that game went into overtime.
2: Coach, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Connor made an outstanding play.
2: Coach, I, I, I definitely agree with you, especially on home field. Um, as somebody that's played a playoff game at uh, St. Francis, it, it, it does make a huge deal. Um, now I'm, I don't know if they've ever lost a home
1: playoff. I mean, I, I mean, I mean
2: it's a whole different world there. I, I know a bunch of Alabama boys going up and it starts snowing. It's not good for us. It leads to a 23-13 loss. But that was a very special team that year, too. But I'm going to go ahead and let uh, my co-host, Corey, ask a question. So, I'm, uh, I'm looking over your, your your linebackers and prepping for this show, and I
0: see two guys with same last name from the same high school. Could they be brothers, Coach?
1: <laughs> Those two kids are pretty special. So, um, Baldwin City, Kansas, um, we've had uh, three really special players now. One was Chad Bird, who was a wide receiver for us, and then... Uh, um and then I think he helped us recruit these two twins, Joel and Jake Cotzer, uh outstanding football players. Both were first team all-conference linebackers. Joel was our conference player of the year, uh, and they are both 4.0 pre-med students. So uh they are uh man, they're as hard of working and tough kids as I've I think I've ever coached.
0: Is there any rivalry there between the two? I can just imagine between twin brothers, they'd always be trying to one-up each other.
1: In- incredible level of rivalry. Incredible. To the point that I have to watch sometimes just not teasing teasing them a little bit about being the twins because the the competitiveness and, uh, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, they were like state champion wrestlers that probably fought every day of their life growing up.
0: And another thing about that, I wanna I wanna bring out just to segue that last year we saw um, Trent Solsma on the Allstate Good Works team, and and uh, he uh, went uh, at least semi-viral on Facebook um, talking about going on uh, his mission trip, and I and I see just uh, today as we're recording this that Jay Katzer uh, has also been named to the Allstate Good Works team. Um, Talk to me a little bit about that. That seems to be an important part of, of your culture at Morningside is is doing stuff outside off the football field.
1: So I, I didn't know that about Jake, but uh, congratulations to him. I assume at this point in time, it's probably a, the preliminary team, but it might be that. Is it the actual 25-man team? It's the
0: nom It's a nominee. So
1: The nominees. So we have had four guys in the last eight years uh, actually make that team. And uh, we talk about uh, what it means to be a man on our team, uh, accepting responsibility, leading courageously, seeking the rewards of significance and success, and, and making a difference in their lives as they go. And, and I think uh, you know, that's a part of leadership, and that's a part of things being passed down. You know, uh, Connor and Chase and Trent, all those guys we talked about set up that trip and went to Tanzania. Uh, both the concert boys went with them to Tanzania and then helped set up some trips to help with flood in Houston. And so, uh, we, we do like to try to put together lots of trips that are what you would call charitable type trips of helping out in need. I think it's great for team building. I think it's great for unity. I think it's great that guys learn how much joy they can get in life in, in helping other people. And, and, uh, I, without question, Jake is deserving to be on that final twenty-five man roster with all he's done. You can only put up one guy, so his brother Joel will just have to watch. Maybe they'll go home and fight about it. <laughs>
0: fight over the trophy. So, uh, Coach, it was a it was a pleasure having you on. I know that we'll be watching uh, y'all this season to see um, see how far y'all go, how far y'all can stretch this uh, this winning streak. Um, and just, just to see y'all, um, hope uh, hope we can see y'all put up some video game numbers again this year. That's always that's always a fun thing. I hope we can.
2: Coach, we- Be- before we exit, I just got one last question for you. I, I usually never do this. But, you know, it's, it's not often you get a national championship coach on the pod. Um, but the last question I have is just like you just talked about earlier in the podcast winning the conference eight straight years. You know, can you can you maybe just talk about just how, I guess, how good of a transition it is because of that culture you guys, we talked about, passing the torch from one team or to another, and I, I like to think about, you know, uh, AP maybe waiting his turn a little bit for uh, Bubba Jenkins and stuff, just, uh, coach, I guess guy got know, do you see a lot of older guys that you might have coached previously come back to the program just to watch and see what's going on and talk but
1: uh, we, we do I, I think our guys do a great job of talking culture of talking what it means to be a mustang of talking uh things that happen i'm, I'm glad you brought up ap here at the end so i can just talk about them but trent and connor were phenomenal leaders in terms of the way they talk to players the way they talk to guys about practice the way they approach practice uh you know They're very professional and uh, very passionate and loved practice. And um, one of the things I enjoyed this spring was watching how hard AP practiced and all those same qualities. And you know, you know, I used to always hear Trent say, "Hey, Kaz used to always say that." You know, to younger players, Kaz would tell me this. It was great advice. Listen, and I remember one time hearing AP tell one of our running backs, "Look, Connor used to always say this to me, and he's right." you got to practice like this. And so I'm excited about AP. I, we've had some great running backs, you know, Wagger with the Carolina Panthers. AP, before he's done, could be better than all of them. Um, and I say that because of the way he practices. Um, and I am proud of our players and what they accomplished over those eight years. It didn't always end, you know, that last game the way you want it. But uh, um, there's something to be said for showing up every
2: day and giving it your best shot. Well, Coach, I'm, I'm glad you answered that question, and I, I think everybody that's going to listen to this podcast once it's posted, you know, is going to get a lot of insight of what it means to, you know, be a eight-year running conference champion, what it means to be a NAIA national champion, and, uh, you know, just specific things it takes. But, uh, Coach, like Corey said, we thank you so much for coming up on here um, we hope to get over to Iowa to catch a game, and we know that uh, we'll be in Grambling, Louisiana, and we uh, have a feeling the Morningside Mustangs will make a move to get there again to the national championship.
1: I sure hope so. Uh, Corey, John, thanks for having me.
2: Yes, sir. Take care, Coach. Thank you. All right.